Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome in on this fine Thursday to the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. We, I am joined here tonight on this fine. We're recording on Wednesday night, right after Nikola Jokic hits his game-winning shot against the Dallas Mavericks. I am re- joined here by social media director Jenna Garcia and deputy editor Zach Mikosh to help me break it all down. Jenna, how are you doing? What's up? I've seen better days. Uh, I'm a little sick right now, but, you know, good thing the Nuggets were on the road for this time so I could kind of recuperate and, you know, we get a couple days off before they come back home or they come back home, but, you know, before we have to go see them. So, you know, hopefully I'll be better before then. I was under the impression that Nikola Jokic game winners cured all sicknesses. That was my that was what I thought going into this thing, but apparently not. Uh, you hear the the chuckle of Zach Mikosh on the other end. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm not supposed to breathe into the mic when other people are talking. That we we had a very big uh, big conference on that pre pod, and now I first like five minutes, not even five minutes, like one minute in, I've already broken the rules. So I apologize <laughs> for that, but I am good. Otherwise, I'll keep the background noise to a minimum. Well, Just you really have breath. never you've never played by anybody else's rules, so it's exactly, it's nothing yeah. new here. Like um, usually, if I want to breathe into the mic, I breathe into the mic. It's my podcast; I do what I want. But now, you know, <laughs> now I've got to relent, give the control to Ryan. So it's it's going to be a tough one. We'll make it through. I have the power now. It is what it is. Uh, I am the captain now. That's that's the quote. Uh, I feel like <laughs> we should start Jokic. over because I breathed into the mic too now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, you're this whole fine. pod is ruined. <laughs> it's just completely done. No, we must leave this in. Uh, Nikola Jokic. It is. It was a slow start for him in this game in in this season really where things we did we didn't really know where things were going to go with him, but once again just taking over for this Nuggets team when they need him most. He was a man-possessed once again. He had 33 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds, a low rebounding number, but there weren't a lot of missed shots anyway. And, of course, the game-winning shot from the post with about 8 seconds left to put Denver up for good. How good has Nikola Jokic been at the tail end of this road trip? He had 47 versus the Atlanta Hawks on Monday, and then 33 tonight and a game-winner versus Dallas. Jen, I'll start with you. What has been the difference with Nikola Jokic over these last two games? It was Christmas. Come on. Christmas in his country. (laughs) He's happy. You know, Christmas is a happy time of year. He wanted... I'm assuming, um, actually, a lot of countries celebrate Christmas on January 6th, including Mexico. So um, we stay up all night, you know, and get to do things like that. So if you were up all night in Serbia, you were watching the Nuggets game for sure. And he wanted to put on a show. 
I mean, that's the only thing that could explain his dramatic shift, because in the Wizards game, he looked really depressed. He looked like he was hating life, and then all of a sudden, he was ready to go to the next two. It's insane. Uh, Zach, what what did you notice from Jokic specifically over these last two? You know, one of the things I've noticed the most is I was like, yeah, he looks a little bit skinnier. You know, I think I think he has. We're we're a few months into the season now. He's probably he's played himself into um, better shape. That's it's kind of like the old school way of doing things, right? Guys used to show up uh, for the season out of shape all the time, and then by about this time, they're uh, they're raring and they're at full speed. I think that is uh, honestly, I think that's part of it. Um, and then I think like the Wizards game that Jenna brought up specifically, because Jokic wasn't the only one who looked like that, but for. Well, the most part, the entire team outside of Jamal Murray looked like that. And it was like, I think it was just that game, like, the, the Nuggets just didn't care. I mean, that that's what it was. They they came in there, they said, hey, we're playing the Wizards, like four of their starters are going to sit. This is this is going to be easy. And it, Jokic, I think, maybe is one of those guys who he clearly took it to heart. And, and he clearly was embarrassed by that loss and by that performance uh, for him specifically. And he's come out and made no doubt about it. I mean, he... Like you said, 47 points, 21 points in the third quarter tonight. That's his highest uh, for a single quarter in his career. And it absolutely, the Nuggets, you know, they continued to just struggle to get over the hump in the, in the second half there. And, and they would have probably lost this game by a large margin because Doncic was playing out of his mind in that third quarter as well. But Jokic pretty much single-handedly kept them in the game. So I, I think it's, like, like like what's been said, you know, he pretty much took this team on his back, like you were saying, Ryan, and, and, and showed that he is the guy. And I think it's just, I mean, I think he's just at full speed now. This is, this is what we're used to seeing out of him, right? He does this every year. It's December 15th, uh, thereabouts, he, he ends up kicking into gear and and now he's fully rolling like at some point i think we just gotta stop being surprised like this is this is just what he does you stole my stat from me 21 of denver's 30 points in the third quarter he was shot four of six from three in that quarter he's now tied for the most field goals to tie or take the lead in the entire nba with less than 30 seconds left he's four of four a hundred percent that is insane. There is no better closer in the NBA right now. He is 100%. Even guys like Damian Lillard with Dame time, he's three for six. LeBron's not hitting as many shots in the clutch anymore. He hasn't performed the silencer in a while. They've got nothing on Nikola Jokic right now. He is the king of the clutch moments at this current point in the NBA. It's not even close. When you talk about the guy who you want the ball in his hands at the end of games, Jokic is the one because on top of being able to get off a good shot, he will make the right decision. And sometimes it simplifies at the end of the game, but he will still make the correct pass if that's what the, the correct play presents itself with. But he has been making the correct decisions at the end of the game. That's another degree to which he has grown ever since last year so to to answer your point on that that last bit zach it is what we've seen before but this is even more we, we're seeing even more and more growth and leadership and and poise from Nikola Jokic in these moments and that's a really really big thing for denver's playoff hopes now and in the future because he's going to continue to be here for a long time we hope and if he's the guy to take them over the top it wouldn't surprise me at all. You, yeah, you guess that people will say like, oh, that's the argument, right? That's the argument that, well, it happened 
in regular season in not so important games or not against I mean now that they have the Sixers one you can't say not against great opponents but uh that's what people will say was like well can he do it in the playoffs can he do it when it's clutch like Kawhi did last year against the Sixers and things like that game seven style yeah and and I I hear you on that but the only time when he's going to be able to prove that is in the playoffs and he no time like the present to be able to just at least justify for right now that that he's doing really well he's he's going to get his opportunities in the last in last year's playoffs he had 43 points in game 6 against San Antonio trying to close them out nobody came with him he had a triple double in the game 7 i believe i think he had a triple double in the game 7 against portland Obviously, he had that 65-minute game against Portland to try and keep them up. He's had these moments, and I know that's not what you're saying. That's more what the national media is saying, but he is one of the most clutch players that we have seen in Denver, and it's it's hard to it's hard to justify anybody else above him right now in terms of the national NBA sphere, who you want the ball in their hands right now. I was going to say, I don't think I can think of a single time when they've given Jokic the ball in the final seconds and he's taken the shot um, and he's missed. Like, right, every, every single time they've given him the, the final shot, he's made it. Imagine that. Imagine that, honestly. Like, it's it's very simple. This isn't This isn't some complicated stat. This isn't true shooting percentage where I'm trying to measure how many free throw attempts a guy has, where his three-point attempts are coming from, like all trying to provide evaluation. He's just made every shot. It's very right. simple. Uh, but let's let's get off that diatribe on, on Nikola Jokic. But it just had to be said because he has been great and we cannot let that go understated. Uh, let's move to Luka Doncic and, and Denver's defense because I thought that was another big story tonight. Luka did have a big game. He had 27 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds, but he also shot 11 of 24. So when you have right. when you take 24 shots to get to 27 points and he also had some free throws to go along with it, that's that's pretty decent. There, there are worse things that Denver could have done against Luka. What do you guys th- – I'll start with Jenna first. You watched the game tonight – what do you think? Do you think it was more the Mavericks missing shots? Do you think it was Luca missing shots, or did Denver do stuff that was really bothering Luca and those other guys that Denver can really count on in a playoff series? Um, I mean, I don't think Luca was missing shots. I was surprised when you read those numbers off because it seemed like he he was on fire, right? right. He just he seemed to have dominated that game. I mean, just every single even when you when I was doing post edits for the stuff we put online and things like that, uh, there were very few pictures available, whether from Getty or USA Today, that didn't have Luca's like Luca in the photo or the ball in Luca's hand. So that always reminds me, like, when you think of it, like, yeah. a photographer can only, can't, like, create situations, you know? That's what's happening most of the time. The ball was in Luca's hands, and he was dominating, if you ask me. Um, but those numbers obviously say something a little bit different he missed more than I thought he had I would say it was Dallas's lack of commitment to the double team on on Jokic I mean you don't have your you don't have Porzingis in there to bring you that other big force on the on the court and then Jokic just kind of did what he wanted with those guys um there were a couple possessions even that last one I don't remember who he was up against but the mismatch was just crazy 
the on the last on the game winner, it was really obvious if you watch it back in slow motion. He's not only a head taller than this guy, but he's much larger and stronger. Like he said in his post game interview, you know, he he felt like he was bigger and stronger and could kind of do what he wanted with the ball. And I think it was more about. Jokic and and Malone kind of capitalizing on that mismatch, not knowing that nobody could really stop Jokic in the paint. Zach, what do you think? We're going to talk about just the the unstoppable nature of Jokic, the unstoppable nature of Doncic. Who do you think? I mean, obviously Jokic won the game. Uh, who do you think won that matchup tonight between those two? Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would look to Jokic because he had it at the end, right? I mean, Doncic dominated the first three quarters uh, of the game for Dallas and, and he really, that first half in particular, was really hurting the Nuggets. He kind of fell off there at the end. He wasn't great from three-point range. I think, I think, what was he, like one of seven or something like that um, at the end of the day. So it wasn't his best shooting outing. Jokic, though, I mean, he was, even though he was quiet scoring-wise in that first half, like that first quarter, he pretty much had, what, like five assists in a row or something like that, where he was running the entire offense um, for the Nuggets, and, and though he wasn't scoring, he was still making plays that ended up being scoring plays for the Nuggets. And then, of course, that, that third quarter, I mean, how do you how do you not give it to him after he does that? Plus, hits the game-winning shot. Doncic was great, and, and the Nuggets, you're right, Ryan, they made him work, and, and the Nuggets are going to be a team that's always going to make him work because they've got two really good defenders who are right about that same size, and Gary Harris and Torrey Craig, who profile well defending a guy like Luka, and, and you can't stop him, obviously, as we saw tonight, but they can certainly make him work for it. And so I think Jokic... Uh, kind of like what Jenna was talking about. I mean, did he really have to ever work for it? It was pretty much like, I mean, he was putting in work, but it was like he had whatever he wanted, and, and there was nothing Dwight Powell was going to do to stop him. So I, to me, it was Jokic tonight. And, but it's not necessarily that he's the more dominant player. It's just that the matchup, I mean, like I said, the Nuggets are starting Torrey Craig and Gary Harris. The, the Mavericks are starting Dwight Powell and, and a bunch of small guys like the matchup works a lot better uh, in Jokic's favor in between these two teams than it does for Doncic. Yeah, definitely agree there. Uh, let's pivot then because you, you you touched on it briefly. Let's talk about that final play where it wasn't wasn't the Jokic post up, but the one right after that where Dorian Finney-Smith turns the ball over basically to to end that game. The ball started on an out-of-bounds play and ended up in Luka's hands at about the, the top of the key, right right inside the, the semicircle of half court. And the Nuggets did their normal thing where they, in the pick and roll, when you've got a guy like that, whether it's a LeBron, whether it's a Harden, whether it's Luka, you, they trapped that guy. And they they forced the ball. It was kind of a soft trap, so it, it slowed him down a little right. bit and kind of slowed down the decision-making. But it got the ball out of his hands. And that was Torrey Craig on ball. That was Jeremy Grant coming over to help. I thought it was really interesting that it was those two guys, Malik Beasley, who was in the game for some reason, yeah. on the backside. He rotated over and had this amazing closeout. Uh, Jenna, I want to start with you. The... Value of having a Tory Craig and a Jeremy Grant to be able to be like like Zach was saying, six six, six seven, six eight, six nine, in that general range and being able to switch. What does that do for Denver when they're facing these guys like Luca, like a James Harden in the closing minutes? 
Well, I mean, size is always going to be better in those in those clutch minutes, especially. You know, you're forcing Luca to get more open in order to get a better shot. Uh, on the regular, I think I'd rather. I mean, obviously, Tory Craig's long and everything, um, but we've seen how he struggled against other teams like Los Angeles, who are even bigger than the Nuggets are. Um, but in this situation, where you have, you know a few minutes left or a few seconds left and it's a close game and putting those guys out there where they can just rotate and switch just causes the often offensive player to really have to get more open than they might have to against somebody you know a little bit smaller a, a different type of guard like Jamal Murray Gary Harris obviously Gary's one of the great perimeter defenders for the Nuggets but it wouldn't have stopped Luka tonight I don't think so nice to have that depth for the Nuggets um and obviously, still questions there as it goes for as they go forward for playoffs. You know, are they big enough, even with Tory Craig and Jeremy Grant? You know, I wish Jeremy would put on like 10, 20 pounds, ten maybe. I think, I think that makes sense, honestly. Uh, I actually wanted to ask about Jeremy Grant specifically because I think he more than Tory Craig is probably somebody who will definitely play in a playoff series because there's always so many minutes that Paul Millsap can play. Uh, they may even go small with Millsap at the five, which means they need to fill some minutes at the four. Jeremy Grant showed his value tonight, being able to switch onto a guy like Luca, being able to cover a lot of ground in different situations. He wasn't great. He wasn't perfect, but he was their second leading scorer tonight, shot at eight of eight from the free throw line, had five rebounds, which is more than he usually does, and had three blocks and a steal. So he has gotten a lot of flack Zach, I know that we we've had some questions about Grant over the over the course of this season. Can we continue to question him and and his long term fit, or do we just have to wait until the playoffs to to really make that assessment for the long term? No, I mean I think well we shouldn't come to any conclusions before the playoffs. That's for sure. But I think you can you can certainly look at how he's played so far. And I've, I've said this a lot, and you know, right? I mean I've been one of the people who's been more. Um, at least privately, more critical uh, of Jeremy and, and the way he's played. And it's not that I don't think he's playing well. It's just that he's not necessarily been the fit that he was billed to be because, you know, we, we, we expected him to be a great uh, weak side help defender. We expected him to be a great cutter, great finisher at the rim. He's not necessarily been that. I mean, he has had some very impressive dunks, don't get me wrong, but he's been more of a stretch kind of guy for them, and he's shot very well um, from three-point range, so you, you, there's definitely value in that, and he definitely has um, a place on this team, which is just maybe he's not been the best fit. But tonight, tonight we totally saw, and I think Katie Wingy even pointed this out, like this is the guy the Nuggets wanted when they signed him. Like he... He was all over the place on defense. He had that that awesome possession where he blocked Luka Doncic twice. Uh, he got another block later in the game. He was an absolute difference maker. And that, we got to see more of that. We've got to basically see him be able to take, he's not as good as Paul Millsap is defensively, but he's got to be able to, in his own way, with his own style, be able to shore up the defensive deficiencies that the Nuggets have because, as we've said, they're they're undersized at the wings, and that that tends to create a problem. They don't have um, a ton of great perimeter defense, and as you point out, like we're either going to have to play Tory Craig, 
or we're gonna have to slide Grant over there. So that we got to see that too. Can Grant slide and play that small forward position, which is not you know not something he did a ton of with Oklahoma right. City, and it's not something he's done a ton of here. But we saw it tonight. So like, I think if we get to see more performances on his on the defensive end where he's he's giving the Nuggets kind of what he was built to be when he came here, a guy who was a great like I said weak side guy, but also a guy who's great at switching and could defend you know, wings out on the perimeter, then, yeah, he absolutely fits what what the Nuggets need. If not, if he's going to kind of continue to be like this stretch four guy with some athleticism, like, yeah, that that is a valuable guy, and there might be a spot. But the problem is the Nuggets got a lot of guys who can fill that role. They don't have anybody who can fill that defensive anchor um, at the power forward position other than Paul Millsap. So Grant, I don't know if it's the playoffs that, that's going to determine it. It's just got to be – more consistent performances on that defensive end. I'd really like to forward. see him rebound the ball t- more too. Yes, yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, you're so tall. You're if you're not going to do some of the other stuff, like he came out and had a great first half, and then he was almost silent in the third quarter. He had nothing left to give, and it was like just rebound. If you aren't going to score points, you know, aren't going to give us offense or buckets, then do other things. Like Coach Malone always says, you know assist, cut, get out of the way, move, move the basketball, but rebound the basketball. Like if he could really hone in on that and solely focus there, I think he could be a really good contributor defensively for for the Nuggets in the playoffs. Yeah, I will give them the benefit of the doubt tonight on rebounding because the Mavericks play so small most of the time. It's it's really hard when you when you're playing four out for the even if you're the power forward if your guy is always standing on the perimeter then you become basically a perimeter player when you when you're rebounding so everybody has to step yeah. up in those situations and I think that a guy like Gary Harris doesn't necessarily get enough flack for having zero rebounds in 36 minutes but he's also no, defending Luca uh, so I had three and, steals. He had three steals. Hey, everybody contributed tonight. I, I think that that's pretty clear. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some rankings. I've got various things that we want to rank from this season, including Nikola Jokic's game winners. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. This is the Denver Stiff Show. I almost said Nuggets Numbers. I'm Ryan Blackburn, host of the Denver Stiff Show and Nuggets Numbers. Make sure to check that out. Going to have a special episode tomorrow, Friday, that's going to feature some analysis on the All-Star voting and some analysis on which players actually deserve it and which players will get in no matter what. Let's do some rankings, guys. I'm I'm joined here by, again, Zach and Jenna. We're going to have a good time. First thing I want to do, we just saw another one of these Nikola Jokic game-winning shots. I had to pull the numbers over the last two years. He has seven of them. 
They are the awkward sky floater versus the Miami Heat, the post-up versus Marc Gasol in Memphis with 30 seconds remaining, the tipped layup versus Sacramento right before the All-Star break, his la- his buzzer beater against Dallas last year, that turnaround floating awkward, whatever the hell it was. That um, made Luca his- cry. It, it did make Luca cry. It was actually kind of funny. Uh, Which is the, okay. Crying is a, is allowed. It's yeah, not a bad yeah, thing. Of course. <laughs> uh, of course. I cry all the time. Uh, we had the the Philadelphia jumper this year that, that helped complete the fourth quarter comeback against Joel Embiid. We had the turnaround jumper against Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns at overtime a couple months ago. Actually, those were back-to-back. That was right. pretty cool. And then we have this Dallas post-up game winner tonight. Uh, a, a little bit easier in terms of the the shot difficulty, and that will probably factor into your guys' rankings. But as I went through that list there, do any of those shots stand out as either Jokic's most impressive or least impressive shot? And then we'll start from there. To me, it's the Philly shot. Yeah, I'll go first. I think it's the Philly shot, to me, stands out as the most impressive Um just because it was the whole comeback was that, was that the one that he did the soundboard shuffle on or was it the uh, was it the next one against one of those two I can't remember he actually did I th- and I think it was Philly I think it was um, Philly yeah so that that to me uh, plus just you know the whole Jokic and B thing not that the Jokic Towns thing um, isn't real either but like it, it's just and Philly fans like the, it was just a perfect storm right everything came together and, and it was the guy who had to hit the shot that night was Jokic and he did so that one probably stands out as the best for me. Um, I don't even really remember the Miami one, so I guess I'd, if I was going to put one at the bottom of the list, it would probably be that one. Also, the tip in on the Kings that was kind of like, eh, all right. Because yeah, I think Millsap yeah. didn't Millsap like get the shot yet, yeah, and then and then Jokic tipped. No, in actually, actually, it was a Jokic isolation. I can picture it perfectly in my head. It was a Jokic isolation kind of post up, kind of like at the free throw line or so. He turns and throws up the floater. It just rims out. And then he tips That's it right, right in because nobody's there. Uh, yeah, and with with the Miami one, that was that awkward one where he and Jamal Murray ran the pick and roll, and then he like threw it up while he was against Bam Adebayo's chest. Uh, it was very awkward. But even even when I say that, you don't really remember that. So we'll put that one right. at the bottom of the list. Uh, what about his post up versus Marcus Saul? I think I had. I had the the floater versus Miami, the post up versus Gasol, and the tipped layup versus Sacramento. All kind of five, six, seven ish. I mean, I, my favorite was the Sixers too. That was yeah. definitely. I think I'm on on with Zach on just like the Jokic and Bead. It was also just the whole game, you know, out, Jokic outscoring Embiid, defending Embiid really well in that game. That was the game where Embiid like barely scored. And just kind of like dominating him to the end, you know that one. Oh, and, yeah. and Jokic also had a lot of like flair after that one too. He like that's the one where he like screamed and he was kind of going after the ref because he thought he got fouled. But then they, <laughs> every Wancho's like, no, 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 get just keep the points. Like, <laughs> that's an whatever. evergreen statement. Jokic going after <laughs> the ref for a foul call because he didn't receive it. Um, <laughs> that just happens. Uh, what <laughs> right. about between what about between Dallas last year? Minnesota this year, and then Dallas this year. What do we think about that order? Dallas yeah, last I, year. Yeah, yeah this thing, I, it was Dallas. I would probably put Dallas this year as like, I'd probably put it as the last of those three because I, I Dallas last year, 
granted, they weren't a very good team, but Dallas last year was just like, like that was such a crazy shot. Like, it's one of those ones. It was like so perfectly Jokic, where it's just the, the, no other person would make that shot or, or would even, like, you know, you would think we're going in. And for Jokic, of course, it just dropped like nothing but the bottom of the net. So that one to me was, was pretty cool. Um, plus we had Kevin Harlan on the call and you can't, you can't beat that. Um, True. And then the Minnesota, the Minnesota one was a really good one. I mean, there's a division rival. It was a great shot. Um, again, to be to beat one of your your top competitors in Carl Anthony Towns. So I would put those two ahead of the one tonight. Um, just because tonight was, I mean, again, it was it, it was just like it was too easy. Like they, there there was nothing um, the 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 Mavericks could do. What what is it? I mean, Dwight Powell wasn't even on, right? It was Dorian Finney Smith who actually ended up. Yeah. Trying to defend that, which is which is just such a ridiculous mismatch that it was, you know that that I think cheapens it just a little bit for me. Like I said, yeah, too definitely. small, right? Yeah, <laughs> and I think that the the one last year, the Mavericks one last year, it was such a tough shot. The team just rallied so hard behind him too after at the end of that game, and last year though, this game tonight felt like Luca versus the Nuggets. It didn't feel like. The Mavs versus the Nuggets. Last year's right. one where he hits the game winner, it felt like the Mavs really had an opportunity to win that game. Where tonight I kind of felt like, oh, I know the Nuggets are going to pull this out. I don't know how, but I know they will because it was just one guy they were trying to beat and nobody else. Fair enough, yeah. So I think we're settling on the order of the Philly one was the most impressive, the, the best one, I think. And I think you guys agree Some with that. Shuffle. Exactly. Uh, Dallas right. last year goes number two. Minnesota goes number three. That one, I think, was actually probably more difficult just because of where he shot the ball. It wasn't – it was like a turnaround fadeaway. It was, it was pretty impressive. Uh, but it wasn't a buzzer beater. The Dallas one was. Uh, then I had Dallas this year, the floater versus Miami, the post-up versus Gasol in Memphis, and the tips layup versus Sacramento. Any arguments with that list? I mean, I think I'd have it the exact same. Yeah. Sweet. This is terrible right. podcasting, but you know, hey, it's all <laughs> good. All Let's agree. move on. Let's move on. It's it's all good. Um, so next, I want to talk about this past road trip because the Nuggets went three and two. It was a a really important thing that they went three and two as opposed to two and three. It because. So much of this is about seeding. So much of this is about where you're going to end up in the playoffs. Because if the Nuggets get a top two seed, then they're going to avoid a team like Dallas. They're going to instead they're going to have to face Oklahoma City or San Antonio or Portland or, or Memphis or any any team that can crack the the playoff picture there. And instead, they won't have to face a team like Utah or Houston or Dallas in the first round and that, or the Clippers or somebody like that. So it's just really important that the seeding's there. Denver had three wins on this road trip against Indiana, against, da- against Dallas tonight, and against Atlanta on Monday. Let's rank the importance of those wins kind of with some context, as, as much context as you want to throw out there. Jenna, I want you to rank them from one to three. I mean, obviously tonight had to be number one just because not necessarily best win by the team, but most exhilarating. I guess if you're going best team win, I think you probably look at Indiana as a good one just because uh, I think you got more offensive production from everybody. Um, Atlanta was a 
good win, but they're, I know, not, not a great team, so I guess I felt like that one would probably be ranked last, uh, third in that win, because you're supposed to beat Atlanta. Like, I get Trey Young is, I don't know, the next Allen Iverson or something, but he's not, he's one guy. Um, right. So it would be Indiana or Dallas for me as, like, the number one and number two. They'd be close. Like, Indiana is was a better win, but tonight, I don't know, defense won this game for them, and that defensive stop at the end felt really good. I think I'd have to put tonight number one. For sure. What about you, Zach? Yeah, I mean, it's the Dallas game tonight has to be number one. It's uh, it's against the conference uh, opponents, one who you're in. Uh, a playoff race like you were talking about, Ryan, the seeding, uh, this, this will be important. The Nuggets were down, obviously, one game, losing the last one to Dallas, so losing another one would have put their backs against the wall in terms of the tiebreaker. So very, very important to get this one in terms of playoff seeding and how that matters. There's, like, legitimate um, consequences to losing this game in terms of seeding and whatnot, whereas the Atlanta and Indiana games are both Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference teams, it's not not really that important. So definitely Dallas number one. I would actually, I, I, I totally see where, where January you're coming from because, yeah, I mean, Indiana's a way better team than Atlanta. Atlanta's like the worst team uh, in the NBA. And so normally I would say, yes, I would agree with you that the Indiana game was more important. But because the Nuggets were coming off that terrible loss to the Wizards, that to me that Atlanta game was so much like I was paying so much attention to the games like this is a what are you made of because you just got embarrassed by by not only one of the worst teams in the league but one of the worst teams backups and and now you're going to come play the actual worst team in the league if you lose to them like they you might as well pack it in because clearly it's not that important to you um, or you're you're taking yourself a little way thinking way too highly of yourself that you can just walk into these games and win them so that to get back on track against Atlanta to, to beat them. And honestly, I wish they would have beat them by a wider margin than they did. That game was probably still too close for my liking. But at least oh, yeah. to get that W, like that to me was very important because it at least shows, okay, they cared. They were pissed off. Jokic was pissed off um, about that, that loss to the Wizards. And he came out and made a point of it more than anyone that we're going to win this game. Will Barton came out and made a point of it. And that to me was very huge. For this team, because really, when you think about it, Jokic and Barton, those are probably, and maybe Millsap, but you know he's obviously hurt, so it's you can't really look to him. But Jokic and Barton are kind of the leaders of this team right now, and so they, for them to come out and put that that game on their backs and say, no, we're not going to lose another game like this. We're absolutely going to win this one. That I thought was a really, really big moment for this team this season. Yeah, I totally I hear you that. there. And the but the one thing I will argue with is that. The one name that we haven't brought up is Michael Porter Jr. from Indiana. That was that his breakout true. game. That was that was the 25 points on 12 shots performance that I think really solidifies that he can be a star. It's not that it's not that he will be necessarily or if or if it's even likely that he's going to be, but having a game like that when it's as rare as it is just shows the the level of star power that he was able to put on in that particular game. To me, I think that elevates it over the Atlanta game because in the in the Atlanta game, you had the Jokic 47 points, but there wasn't a lot else to talk about in that game other than Will Barton balling on his birthday. Uh, in Indiana, they were down. Like, like, the Nuggets were not in a great position in that game until Michael Porter Jr. really saved them in the third and fourth quarter. He was a great scorer in that stretch, really put them ahead, and then Jokic capped it off at the end there. So... I think I would rank it Dallas, Indiana, Atlanta in terms of like the importance, but 
I really do think that the Michael Porter Jr. factor has something to say about it. Uh, Jenna, I can already hear you like fuming through your microphone. Uh, <laughs> you cannot. I was holding my breath. Stop fuming into the microphone. <laughs> I was holding my breath. You told me <laughs> no, not to it's breathe. A, it's a figure of speech. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you do you agree with me on, on that, or, or am I am I way off base there? No, I mean, I said that the Indiana game, you know, you got a good offensive performance for everybody from everybody, which was my way of trying to tip my hat, my very tiny hat, to Michael Porter Jr. in his breakout game. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I thought he played great in that game for sure. And um, I, I do think, like, you have merit there with that game. Uh, ranking Indiana a little bit higher and everything because of that and it was a good game to see I think we've seen the highest we're going to see like the highest performance we're going to see from Michael Porter Jr. this season this season being specific to that phrase and I think we've seen the lowest of what we're going to see from Michael Porter Jr. now so that Indiana game was kind of his like what he could do on a really good night right yeah absolutely then and that's Go good for Coach Malone and for the teammates and for Michael himself just to see what he can, he's really capable of in this league. Um, so I, I do think it was an important game for the team overall. Uh, and as far as their like growth goes and moving forward, I think it was – I'm glad that it happened. So now Coach Malone knows, like, hey, I could get this kind of production from this guy. Um, but then you have a game like tonight where uh, MPJ for – yeah, yeah. Hey, I don't bad. even want to. It was awful. Hey, use no, an no arguments there. Uh, he was bad, and and uh, coach is going to have a really tough time continuing to manage that. But showing the capacity to be able to do it, especially with young players who are still growing, still learning how to play the game, it's really important to at least show the capacity because that's your high point, and you can you can get there again if you have the opportunity if you put it all together. Um, right. Okay, last ranking before we head off our separate ways and get Zach off to bed. Uh, I want to rank these Nuggets players this season by their importance in a playoff series to Denver. I think it's really interesting after one. Mm. So I think everybody would, would agree that Jokic is the most important player for Denver. It's it's no contest. He's their MVP candidate. That's, that's just um, who he actually- is. I'm just kidding. I don't disagree. <laughs> this is the hot take incoming. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, gotcha. Zach, who would be your number two? So I was gonna, I was teasing before the show. I was like, I wait for my Michael Porter Jr. hot take. Um, but no, I can't. I can't go there. Uh, because I don't, I don't even know if he he'll play in the playoffs. That's that's still to be seen. Um, right. The thing's got to be Jamal Murray, right? Like this is this is the guy. Somebody's got to come with Jokic. That's that's the guy you you have, you know you've you've hooked your wagon to, uh, to so to speak, in terms of who's going to be the number two on this team and be the second guy with Jokic. So I, I maybe not even so much as it's like so important. Is it's the most important for Jamal to be that second best guy for them to win a series? It might though just be the most important for him to be the second best guy for the overall like direction of this team. Like they they need they need that proof. They they saw a lot of it in the or at least saw enough of it in that first playoffs last year for him to get the the contract. But now right. I, I I think. 
I mean, obviously the, the Nuggets are confident in Jamal and in their decision-making, but I, I think it would be a little bit naive to think there isn't some hand-wringing about that contract right now. So it, it all goes away. It doesn't really matter what he's, his ups and downs during the season. It all goes away if he's lights out in the playoffs. And, and also, the Nuggets just, they need that guy sometimes. They need, as we saw in the playoffs last year, especially in that game two against San Antonio, sometimes you need a guy who's just going to go unconscious and score a bunch of points for you and save a game. You could get that out of a guy like Michael Porter Jr., but Jamal Murray is the guy who is the vet, who is the one who's being paid, who is the one you expect to do that. So to me, it's, he's got to be number two. Yeah, Ten. I would say Jamal definitely needs to be needs to be number two, but I, I'm going to go with Paul Millsap, to be honest. Oh, interesting. I think, That's fair. I think Paul Millsap being healthy is, is so important for this playoffs, um, and obviously I'm – Assuming that the Nuggets will make the playoffs, they're in the number two seed. So if it ended right now, we'd take on, they'd be taking on, who is it, Oklahoma? Oklahoma City. And so, and I think Paul, just his defensive presence and the way that the spacing on the floor works when he and Jokic are on the floor and playing their best, I think it's really important that that Paul's healthy in the playoffs. So I'm going to go Paul Millsap for number two. That's interesting That's that you say that. Uh, I I wouldn't agree, and the reason why I don't is because of the presence of Jeremy Grant and that he could step up into that role. We haven't seen it quite yet this year, uh, but I still have confidence in him being able to do that. Uh, I have Jamal Murray too, for all of the reasons that you that you mentioned, Zach. For all the reasons that I know that you that you mean, Jenna. I think that he has the potential to put up twenty five points in a playoff game on a relatively consistent basis if he gets the opportunity and if you're able to do that your importance automatically goes up pretty high so he's number two for me i actually have will barton number three is that a hot i would take? say will too no i was gonna say will number three too so that, yep. that means you have murray at four i know that's crazy but Man. i i mean jamal is so important to the team in so many ways but Will has stepped up and he's been far more consistent, right? Consistent this year. So I feel like as of right now, Will Barton continuing to score you 15 to 20 points a night and you being able to bank on those 15 to 20 points a night is important. Not only that, in the playoffs, I mean, Will Barton is your starting small forward and we saw him got benched last time. Uh, so this time around, you, you hope to get a better performance out of them. But even with Will benched and Tory starting, I mean, we got killed by Rodney Hood. So, like, that that small forward position is so important to the Nuggets, especially because you're going to run into the – you might run into LeBron James. You might run into Kawhi Leonard. You know, you're going to – there are some very ta- – you might run into Luka Doncic. There are some very talented small forwards that are going to be in the playoffs. So, for Will, going to be that guy. Like, he has to step up big, not only on offensive side, but he's going to have to be huge on defense if the Nuggets are going to plan on making it very far. Definitely a big swing piece. Definitely somebody that you don't know necessarily what you're going to get. And while while I do agree, Jenna, that he has been really consistent, it's just during the regular season. And, and if he has to face a DeMar DeRozan for seven, for seven games in a series again, can he match up with that guy consistently? Can he right. stop him on a consistent basis? That's, I think, a really big... It's a really big part of the puzzle where if they have to bench somebody, maybe they're benching Gary Harris, maybe they're benching Will Barton. It just kind of depends on the situation, of course. But I have Will Barton at three. Again, he's a very big swing piece. Millsap at four for me. 
does anybody have any other players besides Jokic, Murray, Barton, and Millsap in their top four? No. No, yeah. I mean, the the next guy I think you, you can look at, obviously, would either be Gary Harris um, or maybe Monty Morris off your bench because you're going to need some – you're going to need someone to be able to run that offense when Jokic is – uh, not playing, but you know it's got to be those four. I mean, that's the Millsap drives the defense. We know what Jokic, we were in Murray. We've talked about those guys and, and Barton as well. So I mean, it's it's hard to see anybody else. It, though I will say this, it could be matchup specific. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm off the top of my head, I'm trying to think somewhere, but there's probably a team out there where you're like, okay, and maybe it's the Mavericks. Like, eh, would, do we need Millsap as much as we probably need Gary Harris to be lights out in that that series? Maybe not. You know, Mavericks are are much more wing oriented than than big man so um perhaps different situations i might put gary above Millsap at number four but but most likely not yeah definitely. i mean it's definitely going to be be matchups too because you know how malone does that malone likes to change and tweak his lineups based on who they're facing that night you know if it's okc which it would be right now if the playoffs started today you know they're going to put tory craig out there um or if it's Houston, they're going to put Tory Craig out there on Westbrook, yep. you know. So it's always going to be, it's it's always going to have like some tweaks with depending on the matchup. Man, we just saw the Murray Harris Craig lineup, or, or maybe it was Murray Barton Craig lineup with with Millsap and Jokic against the against the Houston Rockets, and it didn't end well. It, it's it was not rough. Just, it was pretty rough, yeah. and they couldn't really defend anyway. So I, I'm I'm a little bit skeptical on if that's going to work. Uh, but, yeah, I've got Harris at five. I've got Grant at six, Morris at seven, and Plumlee at eight. Anybody have anything different than that? I would drop Gary a couple. I just don't I think his – prim- yeah, I don't think his perimeter defense is giving you enough of an upside at the moment. You know, his offense has been atrocious, and Man, I hate to say take. it because I love I I'm a big fan of the Garris, but I haven't seen much Garris this season. You know, he he's giving you glimpses of it. He had a couple good games. He I think he had a 25 point game. You know, and when he's driving to the basket and being aggressive, doing what he does best, he's effective as hell. But he has been quiet 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 on the offensive side of the ball and I don't know that it brings you that much upside just to have a good perimeter defender when he's still undersized especially if you're going up against a team like the Lakers or the Clippers I mean I just don't see it I would drop him out of the top five he's probably like I would say you have I don't know Grant up there um Monte up there as you and and Monte and Monte Grant or Monte and Plumlee specifically, I think, player efficiency wise are just killing it, you know. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put Plumlee above Harris, but I'm probably gonna put Grant and maybe Monte above Harris as far as importance in the playoffs. Unless Gary can bring something else to the table, because right now he's bringing average perimeter defense to the table, and that's not good enough. It wasn't good enough last year when it was above average perimeter defense, and you know he isn't scoring. Uh, maybe right. you're right, but but I would I would point to tonight's game actually, where Luka Doncic, even though he goes 11 for 24, it could have been 15 for 24 or 17 for 24, but they were able to keep Gary Harris out there because he was 
Uh, he was defending Luka Doncic pretty well, and he was he was getting steals. He was playing the playing the gaps, and I think that in a in a playoff series against most teams, let's say you're facing Portland, uh, he's going to be out there for 40 minutes. Like there's there's no doubt yeah. in my mind that even if he's not shooting well, he's their best matchup for Damian Lillard over Torrey Craig. Yeah, I mean you trust him more. He's your veteran guy. I get why you put him out there, and. I also wish like they had another option at this point, but Gary's one of those guys whose numbers aren't going like the numbers on the box score and what you see, you know, isn't necessarily a reflection of what he brings to the game. You really have to look at his plus minus and some of his like defensive rating numbers to really get a full picture on him. True. Okay. Well, that's all I had for rankings. Do you guys have anything else to add before we take off? Um, go Nuggets. <laughs> you know, I always I, do something like that when I'm on when I'm on pod with everybody, and nobody ever has anything to say. So you I guys got You guys, I had bring something it to, to say. Oh, I, I was going to say I'm sorry. that I I took a lot of Nyquil before I got on this podcast. <laughs> just so you all know, a lot. Those are the Nyquil takes. <laughs> Yes. Tonight's takes were brought to you by NyQuil. (laughs) Oh, hashtag NyQuil Jenna. Uh, (laughs) That's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. Make sure to tune in tomorrow. I'm going to have a special episode of Nuggets Numbers. Make sure to tune in on Monday where... What's their names? Uh, Zach Mikosh, I think his name is, and and Gordon Gross. They'll take you through the weekend's games and looking forward. And we're having a pretty good time on this on this podcast channel. So make sure to tune in and thank you, thank you to both of you guys for stepping up tonight and then chatting with me. And we will see you, Denver Stiffs listeners, next week. <laughs> <laughs>